that again. That's always the metronome song. <laughs> and... Welcome to the Nightmare Box. This is Mistakes Were Made, our weekly Two Star Tuesdays edition. Sorry, I'm getting my pens together here, <laughs> getting all hooked up. Cheers. My name is Brett Bloom, and I'm sitting here with the beautiful, fresh out of the bath, Kristen Pennington mm -hmm. on this balmy, like, 95 degree Tennessee day. It we was don't believe in spring 28, here. I think, when we did this the other day. I hate this fucking town. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> We are here today to discuss The Disappointments Room, which we found on um, Netflix. Why did we pick that movie? We picked The Disappointments Room um, for the same reason we, we picked The Eye. And uh, if you go back and you listen to our episode on The Eye, Kristen had seen it before and had remembered enjoying it. And I had seen The Disappointments Room maybe release night. Like, I, I remember seeing it in the theater. And I remember being impressed. And I've grown smarter with age. <laughs> uh, when did this film come out? 2016. It mm, was, uh, so you, you got smarter quick. Yeah, I got smarter fast. <laughs> Three years, college education, motherfucker. That's what's up. Um, we learned some, some preliminary stuff before we dive into the film. Kristen did a little bit of research earlier into the film. We found out that it, it, even though it was released by Rogue Pictures, it was actually uh, produced by Relativity that went bankrupt uh, prior to the release. So this thing had like three different release dates, and then mm -hmm. the original company went bankrupt, and then we looked up Rogue and Rogue's not been doing so hot. Now, why would they not be doing so hot, Kristen? I'm glad you asked. I'm thrilled about it. Um, because in total, the budget for the film was $15 million, which is, I don't know what budget-wise. Is that a big budget, low budget? I mean, it's a, it's a decent budget. It's a decent budget for like an isn't hour pocket and a half. Yeah, no, fifth, I know it's not pocket change. <laughs> But I know that there's some movies where they're like, we spent $120 million because we needed to hire animators and stuff. Like, I mean, uh, for what it was, I feel like that's a pretty solid it's budget. It's a pretty solid budget for it. So $15 million. In the first week, it pulled $1.4 million. The second week, it pulled 377000 The third week, everybody dropped it except what 10 theaters so it was a 90 percent i think it was 37 in the third week by the fourth week only 10 theaters were yeah. still carrying and it. at the time that like shattered a record there were like nobody has ever abandoned a film that fast. faster than <laughs> the disappointments room maybe you would they should have rethought the title because in the fourth week there was only playing in 10 theaters and they made about what I spent on my Jeep. Like $3,749. They could have bought themselves a 93 Wrangler with the uh, So what did the film projection. gross in total? Uh, the total gross against the $15 million budget, $2.4 million. Oh. They ate 13 mil. <laughs> That's how bad this movie is. <laughs> But much like the eye, as we we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. um, it suffers from the same sorts of issues that the eye suffered from, which is that first little bit is fucking next level. It's her first time in um, in the disappointments room itself. That scene that we've uh, scene that we saw, the scene where she's in the bathroom and yeah. she manages to like go through the camera, like goes through the mirror. Mm -hmm. Like, those, it, it starts off so fucking good. And then I guess they just didn't have a writer's room or an editor. Before we uh, deep dive, do you want to do the honors of saying what the film's about? Uh, you want to do it? Uh, sure. I feel like I've over-talked with all the numbers <laughs> and facts and stuff. <laughs> so, uh, Kate Beckinsale plays mm. the main character, and the main character's name is Dana. Mm -hmm. And Dana is an architect who her family moves out to this massive um, home out in North Carolina, if I'm remembering correctly. I couldn't remember if it was North Carolina or Rhode Island. 
Um, I think it was North Carolina. We don't seem to have that written down. But um, they move out to this massive mansion of a house out Mm -hmm. in the country that's been abandoned for like a century or something crazy. And um, you don't really find out why they've relocated to this house, but, you know, they're kind of rebuilding their life or whatever. And um, she starts seeing crazy visions like this weird grim looking dog shows up and then she's seeing visions of these ghosts that we find out were the former owners of the house and then there's this room up in the attic that isn't on the blueprints of the house that she has so she's like you know curious what's in there she gets into the room and that's the disappointments room which you guessed it that's what the film is based on and we did minimal research you know, trying to figure out what a disappointments room was, mm-hmm. and it turns out they were a real thing. Yeah, and that's where the basis of this comes from. Yeah, um, but yeah, we can. Did you sent me that, that fancy that article. I'm like, you explain that part too. <laughs> I did some research on it because it tells you at the beginning of the film it's based on a true story, and that's my experiences that's very yeah. loosely based most of the time. But this one's. there's some truth to it the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based on a true story because Ed Gein once cut somebody's face off (laughs) but Ed Gein was not Leatherface so you gotta be like especially in horror take true story very fucking lightly (laughs) but yeah that's kind of the setup for the film she's seeing these weird figures in her house and like she's freaking out her family doesn't see it so you know trying to figure out what the hell's going on but yeah, uh, disappointment rooms are actually apparently a real thing. They were uh, rooms that families locked their either disabled or uh, disfigured children in because they were yeah. a disappointment to the family. They were considered a shameful secret. So yeah, apparently that's a real thing that happened. And um, the house that the movie is based on is a real house. They don't use the actual house in the movie, mm. though. The real house is apparently much more modest. And um, the judge that's, like, the main bad guy, ghost, whatever you want to call him, was actually a real person, but they used a fake name in the movie. Uh, he was Judge Blah? No. That's his actual one. Carpenter. His real Carpenter. name was Carpenter. Do you still need that? No, I'm good. We've yeah. only got... I'm going to start printing out some show notes. <laughs> oh, I could, I could write my own copy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there with you when you're the writing them. Made, I just don't ever the, write my own. hanging out there in the laundromat <laughs> coming up with it, and then I put it on the single sheet of yellow paper that I keep in my lap, but I just... I have two working hands. I could write them down. I just don't. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of the setup for the film. So, um... Sounds like a pretty cool concept, I will say. I was the, we watched the trailer for this one before we watched the film. We did. And the trailer interested the trailer me. Looks sick. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, All right, that obnoxious clinking is my wine. There's <laughs> ice in it. <laughs> um. So let's. I, I guess we dive into it. Yeah. I think the first thing that we can say because I, I don't know we don't really have this formatted formatted um, is our biggest complaint right off the bat and then we can kind of work backwards from there mm-hmm. is what the fuck actually happened in this movie is she insane is the house haunted that is never made even like kind of clear I would argue my which again granted we we usually drink when we watch these films, so oh, maybe yeah. I'm not paying the closest attention. But like, I I would say I got a strong sense of these ghosts were real and just nobody else was seeing them, and she mm-hmm. was like sensitive to their presence or whatever. And then I went and um, did some research about like the film and all that, and like read the Wikipedia page and all that, and it said that it was in her head. <laughs> And I never felt like the film established that. Well, I felt like that at certain points, but there's such a weird focus on this room and this room alone. And then, like, she loses her mind out in the woods. And it's like, if it was a haunting movie, is the whole property haunted by this whole situation? Mm -hmm. Speaking of, the whole property, not just the disappointments room itself, um, what the fuck happened to that teenage carpenter kid? (laughs) Is he dead? Is he alive and not going to work? We're talking about... uh, Did she kill him? Like, she tried to kill the kid? 
did he oh, hang himself a... because she rejected him and she just never told her husband? Like, he disappears from the woods. He never comes back. He's... Did she bury the body in the other... Like, there... Yeah, there's this weird um, scene where this teenager that she kind of, against her own will, hires to help her work on, Mm -hmm. uh, what is it, a leaky roof that they have going on? Yeah, they've got a leak. And he inserts himself into the situation. He's like, yeah, I can help you fix this. And then he's like awkwardly hitting on her and she's not entirely turning him down. It's a weird scene. Yeah, they share a cigarette and she shuts him down immediately. But then they like get back together again later and have kind of a weirdly intimate moment. And yeah, like there's a scene where he's hanging in the woods, but then according to Wikipedia, that didn't really happen. It's in her head, but we never see the character again. And she doesn't seem concerned about where he's gone. He should have come back. To work the on the house. The next day to yeah. fix the fucking roof. And then she'd be like, oh shit, I'm losing my mind. But he doesn't. He just yeah. took the day off. If you're a contractor, your hours are how you make your money. You're up that lady's ass until that roof is built because you get paid by the hour. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, Not a good business decision for this teenager. <laughs> Maybe he had school the next day and just didn't show back up. <laughs> he is a teenager, so yeah, that is a good point. Maybe. Like, it, it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. See, and for me, that's why I felt like I never got a vibe that it was just in her head because, granted, they don't show her family experiencing mm-hmm. any of these things. So, like, her family is totally oblivious to, like, all this shit going on. So, like, there is that element of it. She is the only person who sees it. But paranormal stuff happens in the house when she's not around to witness it at all. Like Ben quote unquote dies and she's not there to see it. She finds his body later, but Mm -hmm. why do you show the killing? Yeah. It gets taken out with a shovel way the fuck away from her. Yeah. Like why do you show the killing if she's imagining all of this? And on the flip side of that coin, I feel that, um, like the scene where she's trying to hammer her baby to death couldn't have been a haunting that had to take place in her head. Haunting things happen around physical objects. That wasn't, no, that was, she thought she was watching something and it turned out that she was the, like a fight club. Well, no, like she was. Tyler Durden situation, baby in your, or claw hammer in your baby. In that scene, <laughs> she was actually swinging the hammer, but she thought she was hitting the judge. Blacker, oh, oh yeah, over the head. Yeah, because yeah, he was like mm-hmm. over her kid's bed with a knife or something. I don't remember what he had, but he was going to kill her kid. So she thought she was bashing his head in and then he wasn't there anymore. And she was just smashing the bed of her child while her child's in the bed. Yeah. So that to me speaks that it's like insanity mm-hmm. over haunting. What really doesn't make sense in that particular scene is David's reaction to walking into your wife trying to club your infant son <laughs> to death, which is... Hey, let me go put him to bed in a different room. And then we're talking about this. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. He's, he's very chill about it. Yeah. And why should he not be chill about it? Because she killed the other baby, too. Well, that was accidental, but yeah, she did. At, at this point, I don't know <laughs> if it was accidental. Maybe she just cupped her hand right over the top of that little bastard oh. and said, Night, night, Junior. Like... <laughs> Which we discover later in the film. This is why they've moved out to this house. Yeah. They had a daughter. Like She's an not a credible narrator. That she <laughs> smothered to death in her sleep. Like accidentally rolled on top of the baby and smothered the baby. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be like, hey, maybe don't kill our only child left. Well, there's just... I think I'd flip out. Like, you've already killed one of my kids, which does not seem to be bothering the husband at all. David does not seem... He doesn't bring it up at all. No. He's like, well, it's a sensitive topic. I'd I'd at least, like, have a scene of him, like, drinking a scotch and staring out the window. Yeah, and she's the only one on... his dead child's body. She's the only one on medication. Like, he's not at all exhibiting anxiety. Even the son, because I think the son was older than the baby girl. You'd think the son would be like, oh, where'd sissy go? Or where is my crazy fucking wife who's, like, having this massive nervous meltdown? Like, 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 (laughs) maybe I should, like, keep her, you know, not upstairs in the creepy room. Maybe I should go hang out with her in the creepy room. Or at least, like, hey, sweetheart, uh, do you want pancakes? (laughs) And also, um, jumping back to the, did it actually happen or was it just in her head? Why at the end of the movie does the husband 
take the door to the disappointment room off of its hinge so it can't be closed anymore if they're moving out of the house and he doesn't believe any of this stuff. Yeah, and wouldn't that just release the spirit under the rest of the house? I think it was already out. Oh, no. It doesn't exist. It's all in her head. So why is this guy... I'd be like, Kristen, get in the car. I'm burning this shit down. Or like, if it was actually haunted, because there is other haunting shit. Or I'd be like, get in the car, and I'd come out there, and I'd be like, here's a Barbie doll that belonged to the dead girl, and I took the door off. I wouldn't go through the steps <laughs> of trying to remove what, it's not a light door. It's not the door we used in the no, dolls that was massive, like fucking made out of plywood. Massive it's just, wooden door. Yeah, there's an arm wire that they had to like shove mm-hmm. out of, god damn it. <laughs> but it wasn't all bad, to be fair. No, 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 it wasn't. It, it wasn't all bad. In their defense, we learned that because of this changed hands so many times, I've, I've come to see it as like a cursed film, where like I think it's, it was just the disappointment is whatever energy is attached to this script, because it just <laughs> seems to have been fucked up. Um, I said immediately after watching it, I, I thought it would be a good like two to three hour long like horror epic. Like yeah. You could really do this film justice. And then we looked into like it. A TV you, series. A TV series would be interesting. Like a limited TV series, yeah, not like a... like a six-episode yeah. one. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, but we uh, were talking about how it, it didn't feel like the story was complete. Mm-hmm. Then you sent me that article. And in the article, they were saying that they like littered the editing room floor... With just like out, like, nope, we're cutting this massive thing that would make the story make sense out of the film. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what any of them are off the top. Of um, according to the Wikipedia page, um, they cut, there was like a, a dinner party scene. Um, that was that in the cut. theatrical version. I remember that when we were talking about that. It just didn't come out on the DVD and digital releases. Yeah, and then um, the husband, because. The, not the husband that's actually alive, the judge, um, kills their daughter who is disfigured that they've been keeping yeah. locked in this disappointments room, um, hammers her to death, and the wife, like, somewhat sort of tries to, like, fight him mm-hmm. off, but he's, you know, just throws her to the side and kills their daughter in front of her. And um, apparently there was a scene that got chopped from the movie where he, in retaliation, has this German shepherd that they own kill his own wife, so... There was um, more, like, plot points that got hacked out of the film, which I didn't know that having, like, while we were watching the film, but um, that was a point that I made when, uh, like, literally as we were watching it, I was like, why is the editing so choppy? It was like we keep jumping around, like, excessively, and the pacing just felt, like, super wonky and... Lo and behold, they chopped a bunch of shit out. Yeah. I guess because they didn't have the time or money. Where they could have, I guess, blended it, we have these weird things that that you brought up, like in the sound design, Mm -hmm. where there's like absolutely no fading of the sound. It never comes in. It's always just like, boom, and now there's crickets. Boom, we're in the middle of a Led Zeppelin fucking... (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that happens. No, but yeah, it, it, it... Intensely yeah. comes up and goes out. <laughs> Which they, they, it sounded pretty in a lot of places. Like the actual sound design itself was pretty. It just it wasn't subtle ever. Like it was like deafening crickets. Like I literally, I think at one point, like put my hands over my ears because yeah. I was like that's an irritating sound to listen to and then it's like how they got Noriega out of Panama they're <laughs> just blasting <laughs> with crickets drive the bitch insane <laughs> yeah it, it, uh, for it to have sounded as well produced I guess as yeah. it was it wasn't very well edited I just I it was terribly terribly edited <laughs> there were there were upsides Mm-hmm. I can't let, I'm gonna go back to trashing this movie probably while going over the upsides. <laughs> um, but what you brought up and what I'd like a little, if you have any more thoughts, you know, um, on the, the color scheme, mm-hmm. which is the warm versus the cold, which if you go back and you rewatch the film, 
listeners. Um, you were saying creates like an unsettling mood. Yeah, it's um, a little, I mean, I'm sure other people have done it for sure, but it's a little unusual to use two very opposite colors um, opposing each other in one scene. Like a lot of the time, you know, if you're considering color theory when you're coloring your film, you use certain colors for a reason. So um, cold scenes feel, you know, isolating and literally cold, um, detached, you know uneasy warm scenes make you feel like more inviting like more happy um you know stuff like that i'm not gonna go into all the colors you can look that shit up on your own (laughs) but um there's almost every scene in this movie there's like a contrast going on of light or not light sorry a warm and cold going Mm -hmm. on at all times like the background will be very cold while the subject we're watching is warm or vice versa so um you kind of get this sense of like warmth, but this lingering unease, like in the yeah. background at all times. So yeah, it's it was an interesting play of the two colors against each other throughout pretty much the entire yeah. film. Like when she comes in to make breakfast, and this might not be how this particular scene worked, but to kind of like give like a visual description mm-hmm. of how this type of thing would work. Um, in most of the scenes, it's when she is got like a red orange kind of glow to her, like she's got the sun on her. Mm-hmm. Everything else is blue, and then when she comes into a room and she's blue, everything else is. It, it, it creates like this. Like she's isolated almost. Yeah, like a like a photo negative that like highlights whatever they want you to look at, which I I guess could really work. You know, like if you did that. And you drew the attention, say, to the the right-hand side of the television. And then you pop some shit off on the left-hand side. Like, I I would imagine, psychologically not having ever made a film, that that would create, you know, like a holy shit. Kind of like Halloween. Yeah. You know, where they've got these warm... Slide of hand, like, look over here while something's going on over here. Warm autumn leaves, and then Michael steps out, and he's blurry in the distance, and he's just... (sighs) You know? <laughs> <laughs> How'd that go again? <laughs> In my head, Michael Myers sounds like a a man dying of a respiratory. <laughs> what is it when you got fluid in your lungs? Ah, uh, fuck. Yeah, he's dying of that. It, it's aspirating when you're actively yeah. putting stuff in your lungs. He's dying of. I have no medical pneumonia. Terms. <laughs> Could be. I, I think that happens during pneumonia. Maybe an 80 year Yeah, you usually have fluid in your lungs. I don't know. It's a side pneumonia. point. You guys knew what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite things, and we, we I think we both noticed this throughout the film, is holy fuck for a character um, reversal, right? Like, Dana is the strong head of the household. Mm-hmm. David is the sensitive stay-at-home dad who's mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, playing with his kid out in the yard dressed up as a superhero. And Dana's like, we're going to do carpentry. And <laughs> they put a lot of time, not that I'm upset about that, like showing scenes, developing the relationship between the father and son, like establishing that he's this, mm-hmm. you know, overall pretty good father and very little development into his relationship with his wife, which is kind of weird. Well, like he, he should have come off, I guess, a little more sensitive because you would imagine that. But then you pointed out something that I didn't even catch because uh, I'm a sexist. And that was he still made her cook breakfast. Yeah. It's like this bitch is busting her ass, <laughs> doing all of the architectural stuff. It's like no wonder she's like flirting around with some seventeen-year-old on the side. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I don't. I think he's. Uh, did the, did we ever figure that out? Did he have a job or was he a stay-at-home dad? He might have had a job, oh, but yeah. if he did, it was they not never. The, he was show not him. the bread. He was not winning any bread. <laughs> But she was apparently some, some crazy archaeologist, not an archaeologist, Ar- archi- architect. Mistakes were made. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> we had a productive day today. I'm coming in high energy. We slept in, which we is did. something that I'm not good at. Um, and then 
We did the laundry. Mm-hmm. It's been a beautiful day outside, so it took the top off. The, the motherfucker of yeah, the day, though. It, it fucking dropped a couple of shades on the shade tree. Uh, went to the gym. I took the dog on the walk. Kristen got a bath in, and now we're sitting here talking to you guys. Bro. Day drinking. Actually, yeah. I guess it's nice. It's not day drinking. It's after yeah. five. It's almost six, actually. This is not alcohol. It throws me off like when time change happens. It's super sunny outside. Mm-hmm. Like I'm used to it being like. Because like, my boyfriend's a derelict, and I was like, no, they wrote a whole country song about it. <laughs> it's five o'clock right here. It's right now. five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> but um, there is that really intimate scene though with Dana and Lucas, the kid, where they're mm-hmm. building the dollhouse together, which I, I really enjoy. And it's a very. Like, it looks like they made it themselves almost. Mm-hmm. It's a very nice, like, realistic house yeah. that she's helping him put together. So, yeah, there's that cute connection of... I keep knocking the table. Um, her kind of passing on her own trade to her son. There's... It's... Which, again, that's traditionally a male exactly. role. So, that's interesting. Writing-wise, I, I think that was a, a brilliant decision. And they don't beat you over the head with it, hmm. really, at any point. It's so subtle that like, I almost had to like reflect on it. And I was like, oh, she carried what would have been a traditional male role in the film. Yeah. As uh, the female character. That, that... I can't think of any other ones that have done that. Just Jeff. There's that scene, too, where um, Ben first comes in to the home and he's... Uh, trying to get them to hire him to help with the leaky roof, and he's treating her like she's a bit of an idiot and like she doesn't know what he's talking about. Just talking to David, and David's sitting there like, I don't know, bro, I change diapers. I I don't (laughs) know, fucking thing about the the roof. David's like me. It's like, call the maintenance guy. And it's like, we own this house. There is no maintenance guy. Fuck. Well, I guess we're just going to live with a broken dryer for the rest of our fucking lives. Because I don't know how to fix a dryer. Do you know how to fix a fucking dryer? Don't. Dishwasher shit out on us. I know I'm kind of going off the rails on this one. We'll get back to it. It's, all right. it's our podcast. Nobody's telling us what to do. Um, yeah, we had the issue with the dishwasher. Where the dishwasher had standing water in it. And... Um, we were like, well, we're gonna like use a turkey baster and a bowl and try to fix this whole dishwasher situation. Which I, 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 if my dad and grandpa were alive, I think they would have come over here and jumped me. Like they both, like, like I'm surprised they didn't both like reanimate and just start stomping me into the ground for being too stupid to like unclog a dishwasher. But that's the kind of man I. To be fair, you did try. Like you yeah. did take some of it apart. But well, I can relate to David. I relate to David. It's like, well, the, and. Outside of moving things and it's still not being fixed, sound the, sounds like the dishwasher's issue, you know? So we got in charge of the maintenance guys. And the maintenance guys did not show up on the day off. The guard dog did not kill the maintenance guys as <laughs> I anticipated he would do. And when I came home, there was a bottle in the dishwasher upside down. So I know it had run a cycle, and it was just called a dishwasher declogger. And it was, <laughs> no, this says rinse your dishes better, smiley face. And uh, I've never been more emasculated. Well, I, like, I could have just gone to Dollar General, bought the dishwasher declogger, and been good to fucking go. Uh, to, I don't know, to knock a point off of the maintenance dude, though, uh, the last time I ran the dishes, they still had some of that, like, crusty stuff, so... I don't think he entirely fixed the issue, so he doesn't know what's he, up either. He did a much, yeah. Uh, shout out to any handymen or handy women who may be uh, listening to this show right now because you're also interested in B-rate horror films, writing, and filmmaking. Um, if you uh, know how to get rid of the little black specks that come in, you know, like the top, hit me up. Email nightmareboxproductions at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Tangenting. <laughs> but in that yeah, scene, I relate though, to David, I guess. That's all I was trying to get to. <laughs> in that scene, though, the husband's being, like, kind of pushy, like, wanting to hire this teenage kid to help. And she, like, walks circles around him. She's like, don't talk to me. Like, I'm stupid. You know, I know more yeah. about this shit than you do. And she's like, and after this, we're going up onto the roof together to inspect it. So she's, like, very, like... Very strong. Doesn't take shit. Yeah. 
So that was kind of interesting to see that uh, dynamic. I, I, I think that there's going to be more of that in the film. I'm surprised that it, you know, 2016 they were taking those uh, chances. And they didn't have to do what is like a, I don't want to call it a trend in film as of late, but the need to diversify for the sake of diversification. You know, like you've got Jordan Peele saying, like, he's not hiring a white guy, and that, like, completely pisses everybody off. And so white guys haven't been, like, we haven't been in enough movies. Like, we can't just have a black <laughs> Taking all the for, uh, minority you know. roles since the beginning of films. Yeah. Or, like, that hilarious uh, Facebook post from Zach Amico that I shared with you the other day. Like, in the net, I can't quote it, but... Like, in the name of diversification, they wound up killing the only black guy in Maine in the new pet cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not... <clears throat> it's not on the nose that she's the breadwinner, but mm-hmm. it's well established and you respect the character because it's not being beaten over your head. If that makes sense. Yeah. She does still have vulnerable moments, though. The first time she's locked in... Or the, it's the only time she's locked in the room. But the first time she goes into the disappointments room, she's um, she thinks she's locked in the room for yeah. literally the entire day. Like you see the sun set through this window that's in that room and everything, and then she comes out and it's daylight again. Cool. Yeah, very cool little first look at her kind of yeah. unraveling a bit. But she's where the fuck were? <laughs> yeah, she goes downstairs and her husband's playing with their kid and like she has this really vulnerable moment where she's like, "Where were you? I needed you. I was screaming for you and nobody came." And he's just like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Like we were down here. I didn't hear yeah. you." So she has like vulnerable moments. They don't make her like a total like hard ass, but she's a very strong character. Technically, the entire film while she's being like the strong woman, she is being vulnerable mm-hmm. because technically Again, she's suffering a nervous breakdown, presumably. Lack of, again, development between her and her husband's relationship, though, because they invest a lot of time showing the husband playing with the kid, but, like, he asks her because she's taking, I guess, anxiety medicine or something. They don't really say what medicine she's taking, but he asks her at one point if she's still taking her meds and she's flushed them down the toilet at this point and she tells him no and he just kind of lets that go too. Yeah. He's like, all right. It's like, uh, duh, love? Are you <laughs> sure? Because those were some pretty heavy psychoactives. If she's having hallucinations at this point, this bitch is on something. You mm-hmm. know, like, she's at least taking a Xanax to, like, keep her levels fucking even. Like, I've had a nervous breakdown. I pulled through it without medication. I would highly advise you don't do that. It's a fucking problem. That's why my books, The Madman Diaries, not The Nice Man Diaries. It was an ugly couple of years. (laughs) But, like, if I started feeding sandwiches to the closet again, I would hope that you wouldn't just be like, that's all right. We'll just wait for this to get worse and hope you don't try to Put hammer a claw me, hammer through your fucking skull. <laughs> <laughs> what that implies is that he knows that she's on medication. So this has happened before. It's happening again. And he is not, well, he's not I, even kind of concerned. I assumed, and I don't think that they really, like at any point, clarified that. But I assumed she was taking medicine because she had a nervous breakdown after their kid died. Because... Yeah. They well, that, show, like, a scene of her curl up on the floor of the bathroom, sobbing, like, hearing a child crying in the yeah. background. Which maybe... Oh, actually, I guess it could have been postpartum depression. Because they don't, they don't tell you whether or not she's hearing an echo of crying from her already dead baby, or if that's a live baby in the other room crying, that she's not going to go help. So, ooh, I don't know. Maybe she was having postpartum depression and accidentally, that, accidentally quote-unquote, smothered her own baby. If that's not what happened, we're rewriting this fucking movie. we're doing this where either the whole thing happens in the dollhouse and it's all taking place in her mind (laughs) which is better than what is actually in the film Um, or she's suffering from postpartum depression her baby never died it's alive in the next room and she finds it at the end of the movie which is a nice light-hearted American redemption story or uh, we're killing Lucas 
and uh, the dad's gonna have to deal with that and we're adding an extra hour of this fucking movie to holy fuck stay at home dad who can't fix the dishwasher mm-hmm. is also losing his mind that would have we been... are cranking the insanity up to volume fucking 30 <laughs> I would have I mean even if like they didn't go terribly off of what the actual film was that would have been an interesting uh, storyline to explore like what if she had had postpartum depression after having the second child and then Drowned intentionally smothered the baby and she's having trouble like grappling with that reality like did yeah. I smother my baby on purpose was it an accident and so like that's why she's kind of unraveling well I've known people with postpartum and it's a sensitive topic and mm-hmm. if you've ever been through it god bless like I, I, I cannot imagine that um, I'm gonna laugh at some point in here and I just need you to know that I'm not laughing at you I just I'm uncomfortable with emotions <laughs> um, I can't imagine going through that and that if that was what they were trying to imply mm-hmm. you need to nail that on the fucking head like you you can't pull away from it because the people that have lived through um, postpartum depression, a nervous breakdown of any sort, uh, bipolar episode where they, you know, mm-hmm. fed sandwiches to people. I don't know. <laughs> um, if you've lived through schizophrenia, found medication that more or less balanced you out, for example. Um, pulling away from it is to, I think, further ostracize the victim of that disorder if mm-hmm. that we've kind of gone off here but I um, it's kind of like my approach to horror like you can't turn your head America's fascinated and it doesn't happen with the Asian films like we, you uh, watch those that Korean movie that I sent you the clip of uh, the devil oh, oh god inside is it the devil inside? No, I think that's a song by the, uh, the band with the fingers. I have a smartphone. Uh, you talk, I'll Google. But anyway, in this film that I'm thinking of, the Korean film, there's a taxi driver scene where they leave you in a car while the guy stabs literally everybody to death from the passenger seat. Stabs everybody in the car to death. For like a minute thirty, just fucking goes off while the car is driving down the road. I saw the devil. I saw the devil. Asian horror does not turn away. It doesn't move its head. It just stares at it and it shows it and makes you look away. And that's what American horror used to do. We're gonna put this on the screen, and you can sit through this. You can throw up, but The Exorcist is not looking away. <laughs> And I, I feel that maybe the maybe that's what's missing from this movie is a what is happening to this woman and why do we feel the need to shy away from showing what is happening to mm-hmm. this woman? And you could have, which maybe that's pushing it a bit too far, but you could have still made this play on the concept of the disappointments room because she sees the judge. Uh, beating his own child to death with a hammer and then almost kills her second child with a hammer and the little girl. And it happens in a crib and the kid's way too old for a crib. No, he's not in a crib. He's he's not in the crib? No, he's in his bed. I don't know why in my head. I think he's like eight or something. Mm -hmm. He's like young, but he's not like a toddler. Um, But she almost kills her second child the same way we see the judge killing his child. And there's an interesting bit where... For a huge chunk of the movie, you only see half of this little girl's face, so she just looks like a normal little girl. And then right at the tail end, before um, her father kills her, you see the other half of her face is actually deformed. So even like that, I feel like, is a nod if you wanted to go that route of the mother trying to ignore this ugly side of her personality, like where she's accidentally killed one of her own children or whatever, so... Like, you could have played that whole concept up way more. That you... I mean, I feel like we're playing Monday... uh, What do they call it? Monday morning football. Um, But that's what we're here to do, like, I guess. 
Like what we learn from these films and stuff. Yeah, what we learn from these films. American film has lost its poetry. <laughs> it's like a point that I try to hammer home with you with like literally everything we watch. We're doing like the Twilight Zone and I'm like, where is this? Like, <laughs> where is, like you, you've got a lesson that comes out the other side or there's things that imply other things and the more times you watch it, the more engrossed you become. Like, Back, I'm, 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 I'm very, I'm sorry. I'm apologizing. <laughs> we're having a discussion. There's a microphone, about... and we're supposed to be having a discussion, and we are having a discussion. <laughs> oh, God. It's a fruitful discussion. I've it's learned things. A, yeah, no, that's a, it's an interesting point. How would you rewrite the disappointments room? What angle do you think? Oh you'd man, go? I'm not a writer. You don't get to ask me that. That's How my big you... question for you. Oh, well, I've laid out my three possible <laughs> options. I, uh, uh, I, having not at all thought about this up until just now as we're talking about this. Um, good distance through my King Cobra. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm also not a writer. So, like, I don't know. I feel like that would be an interesting thing to explore, especially if, like, the Wikipedia page claimed this is all just happening in our head and none of it's actually real, like... What if this is a story about a mother who, in, like, her, um, like, fog of depression after having had the second child, murdered her second child and isn't, yeah, isn't able to grasp what happened. And so her husband, you know, moves her and their other child away to kind of start over and she's blocked this memory from her mind and in her mind it was just a horrible accident that happened and like while she's in this new house like there is this history of the disappointments room and this you know concept of these families that were um abusing their children and she's you know kind of unraveling with this whole there was another child here that died here because the father killed their baby and what did i do to my baby so that, i think that would be an interesting and they almost concept to do explore. that like, she goes to the library to learn about the house. She meets the librarian. And that could be the twist point in that movie. But the librarian starts reaffirming what we are torn between our hallucinations or actual events. Mm -hmm. So it, again, brings the question, is the house haunted by the fucking psychopath who killed his daughter in the house? And at the end of the film, too, she takes this um, tiny figurine that the daughter like played with while she was locked up in that room and takes it with her. So to me, that, again, kind of blurs this line of, was this really happening or was it in her head? Like, the daughter's figurine is in the room. Like, this man legitimately killed his daughter in the film. No, um, I'll... Uh, yeah, in the film. Yeah. I was going to say the librarian affirmed that. So Yeah. yeah. So, like, that actually happened. So, like, it, it doesn't do a good job, like, clearly dividing whether or not this is a haunting movie or a movie about, you know, her psychological unraveling. So. I'm not saying you need to hit that over the head either, you know? Like, you don't. I don't want to know. I want it to turn like the sixth sense in the last five minutes. I don't want to find out if she's legit having a breakdown or if she or like the house is haunted. And it's an easy move from a writer's perspective mm -hmm. for me, which is you send the guy into the house alone and whatever happens in the house defines the point. So if he goes in there to take down the door for whatever reason, seeing as he's not the one having this delusion. Um, and while he's up there, a painting flies off the wall and smashes the other wall. And he's like, holy fuck, they've just been messing with my wife. Let's get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to push the armoire back in place. Like, like that would be a pretty easy solution. Mm -hmm. Or if at the very end of the movie, he drove her up to some sort of mental hospital and was like, we're here. And like the therapist, you know, it would be an interesting idea with the story. What? Okay. 
So the end of the movie, they drive away from the house. They've been in the house for what a week by the time the movie's over. Uh, I think a while because I feel like they show a season change happen. So I think they've been here for a couple of months. If I'm that's where they play the reversal. Or am I thinking of Pet Cemetery? We just watched Pet Cemetery. I think I'm thinking of Pet Cemetery. Yeah, maybe they hadn't been in that house long. Anyway, yeah, that's not really. it, it doesn't really matter. Um, we know that at least a day has passed. There's been sleeping scenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, an interesting reversal would be a callback to her freak out the first time. Where this whole time she's not gone to her therapist. And at the end she goes to the therapist. And she was there the day before. And so all of this was packed into one horrific night. Mm-hmm would be like an interesting play on it like she poured her pills out she's had this fucking meltdown and then just to find out that what she is perceived to be a week's worth of time has indeed only been 24 hours from the last time she saw her shrink I mean hire me (laughs) I'll write you the script I think almost any route would have been better than the route they took because this film suffers pretty much from the exact same problem that the eye suffered from. There's no, like there's a relatively strong beginning and then it kind of crashes and burns and there's no resolution to either film. Like in the eye, Jessica Alba's character goes through these really horrific things that would, even if they didn't go to Mexico and do that whole thing, like just the realization that you can see these demonic creatures that represent death or whatever and that's a real thing in the universe would like scar most people and she just goes back to living like this happy life I'll just go be a cellist or a violinist or whatever yeah (laughs) and not remotely phased by these things that have happened to her and at the end of the disappointments room we don't necessarily get this happy resolution but it's just like the husband's still kind of oblivious. The son's just like, oh, we're just going. Yeah. And she's just kind of like, oh, I'm just going with my family. And like, if she is indeed insane, she definitely winds up killing Lucas at some point. There's no way that kid makes it into adulthood. <laughs> she's not on her medication. <laughs> yeah, they just like. If you're not on your medication right now, get the fuck back onto your medication. I've never taken medication. I don't know what it feels like to feel normal. However,. I'm not a smart person. I should be on heavy narcotics 90% of the time. So if you are on medication, take your bets. For <laughs> the love of God, they're given to you for a reason. Keep talking to your therapist. <laughs> <laughs> but like all they do is just pack up in the car and move again, and that's what they did in the first place. We're going to pack up and move, and this will be a new start. Like Yeah, that's what you just did, yeah. and a bitch tried to kill your kid. So, he... so there, there's no actual... <laughs> resolution to any of it god damn I think I've got let me see where we are on time here um, clickety clack on the computer mistakes were made but it was a very we've been shitting on it this whole time but it was a very pretty film I very well shot very pretty colors very pretty colors but I've got one last point we got enough time, but we're, we're nearing time. Who needs that many fucking keys? <laughs> the house is big, but none of the doors are locked. Who They're needs? They're skeleton keys, too. Why does the judge have a box of keys? That is a better plot <laughs> than the... Dis- not why is this rooming room existing... That is not on the blueprints. But what the fuck do all of the judges' keys go to? Because I think there is <laughs> a, a labyrinth. In there's the house. a tunnel system underneath the house of just decayed sex slaves, eighty, <laughs> ninety, just skeletons wearing weird outfits. Like one's dressed up like a panda because he was into that for a minute. Like he's like he's like the definite like Albert Fish serial killer he fucking hammered his own baby girl and sicked a dog on his wife supposedly but that got cut and apparently had his dog eaten by a goddamn German shepherd he's out of his mind where the fuck did all those keys go to why does the judge need all those keys the world will never know
It's not a good enough answer. Do I have any? We tore through all the bad. We only had four nice things. Uh, <laughs> may just go through. I think we covered all of our show notes. Do you have any, like, last minute? No, I mean, to be fair, um, the production company that was producing this movie did file for bankruptcy, so financially, just running out of money will fuck any film over, so maybe they had higher hopes for this film than where it landed, but yeah, just again, like, don't, the same point I made before when we were talking about most likely to die, I think don't fucking add filler shit to a film that's not necessary. Like, storyline, I'm not even a writer, and storyline has hands down always been, like, the thing that I've thought was the most important. If your dialogue sucks and your story sucks, it doesn't matter how good the film looks. So, quit dicking around (laughs) and write better films. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not dicking around. (laughs) Bite you right now. What, do you have a massive takeaway? Do you have anything that we can... I think, to be honest, uh, <laughs> like, I, I see a lot of people say on, like, film groups that I'm in, if you don't have a star actor in your film, your film is doomed to fail, but both this and the eye are proof that having a strong leading sexy female character isn't necessarily going to save your film. It's not all it takes. It needs something else. Yeah. I mean, as we noted, uh, both of them were downplayed in sexuality. Not downplayed in a negative way, but... Their tits weren't hanging out the whole film. Yeah, their tits weren't hanging out the whole film. They weren't walking around in nip shirts, like, (laughs) pointing at people. Um, Which worked phenomenally well. And they were the best actors mm-hmm. in both of the films. Well, and the rest of the but film built around them. they still weren't that great at acting. <laughs> like, they were like, I need Kate Beckinsale to just knock this back a few levels. Um, because everybody else sucks. <laughs> we don't want you to be literally the only person that matters in the entire. Like, we're trying to play this angle. Yeah, no, you can't just sell sex anymore. Mm -hmm. That's just not the way... That's a good point. You don't need a big winning lead. You need a story arc that makes sense. When a a film as a whole, it's a quality piece of art. Like, don't add filler scenes. Don't rely on your lead actress to carry a shit film for you. Like... Both of these films were shot pretty well, so I'm not going to shit on the cinematography, but I just... Like, it's a cohesive piece of art, so consider the entire thing when you're making it. Yeah. I, I, I Again, I'm going to hand it off to the director, as this was the director's film. The writing team fell apart, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to... Can give my thoughts on what they can do to their mothers, but <laughs> they can chinga two madres. Uh, <laughs> two madres. See, I learned a little bit. Mm. Any final thoughts on your end? No, I, th- I think that they should all be lined up and shot. <laughs> I'll fault um, the director on the casting. I this wasn't great. The bathroom scene. I'm really interested in mirrors, mm-hmm. but I don't make films. So, like, I, I, I'm just... I've got a scene in my book that I'm editing. What up, motorcycle? Um, I've got a scene in the book that I'm editing that involves a bathroom uh, medicine cabinet scene. But I do something different with my scene. Um... And maybe it was the we saw that movie and then we saw Pet Cemetery and I'm saying guys I, the last fifteen minutes of Pet Cemetery are gonna piss you off. Outside of that, a brilliant fucking movie and we'll there is a day. 
medicine cabinet scene that'll blow your fucking mind. <laughs> so get out and uh, see Pet Cemetery. And if you've not watched The Disappointments Room, I think you owe it to yourself to watch at least the first 30 to 45 minutes of The Disappointments Room and then, I don't know, turn it off. Cry yourself to sleep. Make a better film. Light a joint, drive a car into a guardrail because it's going to be better than the rest of that movie. Because <laughs> that film is a train wreck. And, uh, of the three that we've done so far, which one do you think holds up the most? Well, I'd never seen either one of the first two, so the only one that I know, like, it's like a hold up, hold up is the one that I've seen before because none of them are too terribly old. Um, I think so far I've liked the eye more than any of them. Just the concept blew my fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really enjoyed that. I think it was poorly executed, but I know that that had to come out of like a beautiful rough draft. Just a fucking like, like I, I don't know. What's your favorite? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. The well, eye and it's the dis- just between the eye and the disappointments. Right? Yeah. Nobody's that. Nobody's rooting for that fucking hour long character <laughs> development. <that> it was. <laughs> I, I liked the eye and the disappointment room for different reasons. So, um, if the disappointments room had been done a little differently, I would say that one for sure. Like so, that's your call on it. Yeah. Like, I feel like it had more potential to it than the eye did. Well, I'd like, I, I think people are getting murdered in the hallway. <laughs> and that's our cue. Can I get that as like a, if, if that came out clear in the edit, can you cut that? It's going to be gonna, faint. It's not going to be loud. I know, but we can like use it as part of the intro. <laughs> I do sound design. I can find you a scream. <laughs> Let's make somebody scream. I probably have some saved on the sound library on my hard drive. <laughs> Wink at you. <laughs> no. It's a little creepy. Oh, Please right. don't. Are we checking our emails? I have it routed to my phone, I think. Oh, okay. What's our email address? Uh, nightmareboxproductions at gmail.com. And our Twitter. At nightmareboxpro. And Instagram. At Nightmare Box Productions. Can they find us on Facebook? Yes, they can. It's facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. And you can go to the website, which is... Nightmareboxblog. The Nightmareboxblog. Oh, is it the? I think yeah. it's a the. Yeah, Nightmare the Box. Nightmare If you Box. type in the Nightmare Box, you'll find that shit. There's a whole situation going on over there. There's also People a book online. People seem to be enjoying it. Do what? There's also a book online. There's a book online. That book is called uh, The Madman Diaries, a collection. It can be found on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can probably find some dude trying to sell his copy on eBay. I was going to say, I've seen it on eBay, actually. No shit. No People shit. People are already peddling my book. <laughs> no <laughs> shit. I don't think it's individuals. I think book I companies think buy company. them yeah, in bulk yeah. and then try to peddle them out because I've seen them for like random prices yeah. on random places. No, I, what the contract I signed said that they would sell it on eBay, and I didn't anticipate that, you know, they would act. They were the people. I just thought that it would be okay. <laughs> and so when you said that, I was like, man, I sold like a couple hundred of those, and I should have, you know, numbered them so I know which one of my friends betrayed me. But I love you. I love you. And uh, this was not a disappointing podcast for the disappointments, bro. (laughs) So I love you guys too. And we'll see you in a couple of days. Uh, Try to post up our our choice for the the next film maybe on Wednesday after the Tuesday drops because we've been trying to watch them on Wednesday. We gotta figure out our rating system because we've brought this up once already. But Netflix is no longer doing stars. Yeah, I think right now we're shooting for less than fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes until further notice. But I'm not gonna lie, I'll probably still keep calling it Two Star Tuesday just because I, I like the name. Forever calling it Two Star. <laughs> but I love you. Okay. And I love you. So you guys have a good week.
we'll see you a little later.